Hey everyone, hey listen, it is great to have you here. Uh, here we are, and tonight we're going to be looking at the Great Reset. And let me tell you, it is coming. I want to welcome you, whether you're here in the United States on the West Coast or the East Coast, or if you're in Australia, or over in the Mideast, or Africa, or China, or Europe, wherever you may be, we want to welcome you. But listen, let's get going. There's a lot of exciting things to talk about. I'm going to do my best to help connect the dots in the time that we have so you can understand that we are entering into, actually, we've already entered into it, the Great Reset. So let's get going. Uh, think of this. Uh, Jeffrey Greider writes, the global elites are calling it the Great Reset, and it is exactly what end times books and movies have been warning you about for decades. I want you to think of this. This article was written back in June of 2020. June of 2020. Man, think about COVID-19, the lockdowns, the economic crashes, the mandatory mask wearing, the race riots, Antifa, ID2020, Bill Gates, Black Lives Matter, the Declaration of Human Fraternity, Chrislam, ponder for a moment on all of it. When you have wrapped your head around all those things, now wrap your head around this. Everything we have been experiencing, it is all part of the Great Reset, and it is all driving towards the same outcome. That is the resetting of the entire world to prepare the people for the arrival of Antichrist. That's how close we are to seeing him step out of the shadows and onto the world stage. Then he continues, the COVID-19 pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world to recreate or to create a healthier, more equitable, and more prosperous future. That is from the World Economic Forum, that portion. Listen, we're going to get into that a little bit also, and I'm going to show you where this is going and also what's happening to America, because this is something that we need to understand worldwide. The direction America goes is going to affect the entire world. And this is why when you look at America right now and politics, and we see as the Apostle Paul would define it, 2 Timothy chapter 3, perilous times have come, and then listing the characteristics. Those are characteristics of America right now. So this should have our attention. And the World Economic Forum, they have their own great reset in mind. And uh, this is where we're going to be going over the next several minutes that we have together. Jeffrey Greider writes, we are living in an amazing time, a time foretold within the pages of the Bible. And we have been privileged to watch them leap off the pages and into our daily lives. Prophecy is being fulfilled before our very eyes, and it is awesome. But there's so much happening with myriad of events coming from seemingly unconnected places, yet they are all connected and all part of the same plan. The global elites who run things have been kind enough to give it a name, and they call it the Great Reset. And it is the New World Order, and it has arrived. I want you to think of this. In the Bible, Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 2 also tells us of a Great Reset, or global kingdom that's coming. In other words, the world as we know it, or have known it, uh, up to a year ago, 
is going to change. In Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has a dream. And in his dream, he sees these different empires. He sees himself as the head of gold. Then he sees the Medo-Persian Empire and the Greek Empire. Then he sees the Roman Empire uh, in the legs that are of iron. And then he sees the last days empire, the final empire, the empire that we would call the, um, uh, the, the empire of the coming Antichrist, that seven-year kingdom. And he sees these feet, and he sees the toes, and he says that the feet and the toes are clay mixed with iron. They're part, it's a partly strong kingdom, and it's a partly weak kingdom. Likewise, we also hear more about this coming global kingdom, the New World Order, in Revelation chapter 13. In Revelation chapter 13, you can find it other places too, but in Revelation chapter 13, John the Apostle is writing, and he says this, then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of it, and on the sea having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Notice the number of ten and the ten horns. Like Daniel's dream, uh, or Nebuchadnezzar's dream, where Daniel interpreted for him, you have the toes, and therefore you have the ten toes. Daniel also, a couple of other times in the book of Daniel, would talk about the ten horns, and that's what John also sees, this kingdom with ten horns. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all of the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. The dragon is also known as Satan and the devil. Later on in the book of Revelation, he's identified. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Uh, the term beast here is speaking of the one that is commonly referred to in prophecy circles as the Antichrist. And he, Antichrist, was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. That would be three and a half Years. That's the second half of the tribulation period, that three and a half year uh, time frame that leads up to the time when the Lord is going to return and he's going to destroy the beast and the false prophet, Antichrist and false prophet, and cast them into the lake of fire forever and ever. So Daniel writes about this coming kingdom. This coming new world order. There's got to be a great reset to get there. Daniel writes about in chapter 2, also in various other passages in Daniel. We read about here, here in Revelation chapter 13. And then also again in Revelation chapter 17. Uh, John the Apostle, he sees various uh, things, various visions in Revelation chapter 17. And he also sees a vision of ten horns. And he's wondering what is the meaning of the things that he sees. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 12, John is given the interpretation of the vision that he has. The ten horns, he's told, Revelation chapter 17, verse 12, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. So here in Revelation chapter 17, we see how it's put together. Daniel wrote about it. Chapter 13 of Revelation tells us about it, but here in chapter 17, 10 kings, 
They don't have their power yet. In other words, when the book of Revelation was written, 90 to 95 AD, John is being told, this is a time that's coming in the future. A future kingdom with 10 rulers. And these 10 rulers are going to recognize, aha, here's the one who's going to rule over us and rule over this global kingdom. And he is known as the beast, again, a.k.a. he's known as the Antichrist. I have referred to these 10 kings in Revelation chapter 17 for a number of years now as 10 elitists, 10 elite rulers who have the power uh, to be able to control the global system or set up the global system. Somebody's got to be running things that we are looking at right now. With all of the various things that are happening, uh, we watch the riots that are happening. By the way, here in America, when you look at these riots, no one can tell me these aren't coordinated. They all have the same MO, and they're all heavily funded, and everything is happening according to a particular plan. So be, and then you have the coronavirus lockdowns. It's interesting, the, pretty much the entire globe, apart from Sweden and, and uh, South Dakota in America, apart from those two places, pretty much the rest of the world has gone into the same lockdown. It's the same narrative. Somebody's gotta be controlling these things. There's gotta be a mind, there's gotta be a voice well, that is directing everything to the particular direction that all of this is going. So I've looked at these 10 rulers of Revelation chapter 17 for a long time as being 10 elites. They're 10 powers who run this global system and then they anoint the beast, the Antichrist. So we think of the elites. Let's just think of some of them. I, I would say one of them would be uh, someone like Al Gore, who's been talking about uh, climate change and uh, the opinion that he's been expressing to the public for quite some time. Uh, it's not just him, but you listen to them. Now you call them climate alarmists. Uh, people used to say there's going to be this global freeze. Now they say it's going to be global warming. Now some people are going to say, are saying, oh, it's a global freeze coming, a, a global cooling, it's a global warming. It's all mixed up. Uh, but they all seem to agree, hey, we've got this climate change. Uh, this is what I know. Um, it wasn't long ago where we just called all the different climate differences. We used to call them weather, but not so much anymore. And all of this is going a particular direction, which I'll show you also in just a few more minutes. But we have these climate alarmists that lecture the world on not driving gas-guzzling vehicles, but yet they will get into their private jets for their climate meetings, leaving a larger carbon footprint than pretty much uh, the rest of humanity. Uh, they'll tell us that if, unless we get the climate under control, the sea level is going to rise. And the sea level is going to rise, it's going to wipe out all the lowlands, everything is going to be absolutely devastated, it's just going to be flooded. Yet the same people that are telling us these things buy island property and they build beach homes right on the shores of the beaches. If they really believe the things that they are saying about the climate, then they wouldn't be buying properties like that. They wouldn't be building there. They wouldn't be investing in these things. Listen, look at the facts. Look at what's really going on. And you can tell if somebody really believes what they say by watching their actions. But there's many elites. Um, right now, there's the talk of the Jeffrey Epstein blacklist that's going to be coming out listing all kinds of names. And then you have the George Soros. You have Bill Gates and on down the list uh, it goes. There's Klaus Schwab, and, and, and the list just, it's a pretty large list. 
But ultimately, there's going to be 10 kings that are leading this thing. They're going to anoint the Antichrist. But when you look at the elites now, I would put them into the category of uh, the, I, I would call them the untouchables. And they are the ones that are shaping the world. And in the not too distant future, there will be 10 that will rule over this coming global kingdom. It is coming. The Bible tells us it's coming. And I'm going to show you in their own words so that you can know that this isn't just some kind of crazy talk out of the Bible. The Bible told us, and they are saying, this is exactly what we are going to do. They're even going to tell us how they are going to get there. And you're going to see that also in just a couple more minutes. It's going to be a kingdom of 10 rulers. It could be a kingdom of 10 nations that are strictly in Europe. I have a lot of Bible prophecy colleagues that believe out of the revived Roman Empire, all 10 kings or 10 kingdoms or 10 elite rulers will be right there in Europe and Antichrist there. And then I have other friends that are in the Bible prophecy world that tend to believe it's 10 regions globally still headquartered in Europe because Antichrist is going to rise out of Europe. I tend to believe that it's that, that it's a kingdom worldwide, 10 different regions with Antichrist that's going to rule over it. But nevertheless, this confederation of the 10 will have a very short life. In fact, the entire New World Order will be very short-lived. From time Antichrist is revealed and the covenant is confirmed, that kingdom is only going to last seven years. To give you an idea of how short that is for a kingdom or for an empire, a global empire like this is going to be, it confirms that it's partly weak and partly strong as Daniel references in the dream in Daniel chapter 2. Think of this. This is how we know how weak it really is, although it's going to be fiercely strong for its short life, is this. The United States was founded officially 1776. You look, we're almost 250 years into it. That's a fairly short time in comparison to empires of the past. But seven-year kingdom is a super short time. So what can we understand, uh, or, or so what we can understand to the best of our ability with what is coming our way, according to the Bible, is this. There will be, Get there. Second, there will be. I know this is going to work. There, there will be. Okay, there will be. There it goes. There will be a new world order forming now in globalism. The new world order will have ten kings or elite rulers, and Antichrist, aka Beast, will be the king over all ten and over the entire global kingdom. Now, it's not hard for us to envision this right now. When we think of, uh, of things as they have developed, and you start thinking there will be a new world order, uh, it's forming now in globalism, we hear the talk. I'm going to show you some of these things. But, but think through this with me for just a second. Uh, this idea, you see this up on your screen right now. Uh, you see the world divided into 10 different regions. This map, or a similar map like this with the world divided into 10 different regions, has been floated out there for decades. It's been out there for a long, long, long time. The elitists have wanted to divide the world into 10 different kingdoms. So whether it's a global empire of 10 different kingdoms like that, that 
tends to be what I believe with Antichrist ruling over it from uh, Europe, the revived Roman Empire, or 10 nations rising up out of Europe. Look, I think it's going to be one or the other, I have no doubt. But then check out this one. Uh, one of our viewers from Australia sent this one to me. There you go, you see it up on your screen. This is a picture he took uh, from his TV in Australia. And there, you can read it, New World Order. Australia set to join a new D10 replacing the G7. I look at that and I think, well, that's interesting. Replacing the G7, the new D10, what is the D10? Listen to this. This is an article out of India, and this comes back from, uh, this is back uh, from May of this year. Britain proposes new alliance of 10 democracies, including India, South Korea, and Australia, along with the current G7 nations. The UK is seeking to form a new alliance of 10 5G countries dubbed as D10 to align against China and reduce its reliance on Beijing, especially on Chinese telecom giant Huawei. Uh, this is regarding, uh, this whole thing here is regarding technology and 5G technology and the monopoly they say that China has on it. This says the decision to unite against China comes at a time when the world is reeling under the coronavirus crisis and countries hit by the infection have been demanding to hold China accountable for unleashing a pandemic which is believed to have originated from the central Chinese city of Wuhan. The UK has accused the communist uh, government in China of concealing vital information and covering up the initial coronavirus outbreak in Wuhan. So I look at these things and I think, okay, you look at that D10. We know, I'm not saying the D10 is it. So, so please don't go out there and say I've just predicted it. I'm just giving you what people are already thinking. Elite groups, the elitists are already thinking. World leaders are already thinking. This is the direction we need to go. But the Bible told us thousands of years ago, listen, there's going to be 10 kings, 10 kingdoms, 10 elite rulers. They're gonna be ruling this coming global system Antichrist is going to sit at the top, and we are hearing the rhetoric. We're reading the things that they are talking about, and they seem to fit very well with the Bible. But let's not stop there. Consider this. As you look at the global system, this global system is also going to require a faith movement to bind people of different faiths together to worship not the God of the Bible, but ultimately this coming world religion. Pope Francis, dangerous call for interfaith prayer, each to his own God. So this is talking about Pope Francis saying, hey, here's the deal. It's no longer about praying to your own God. This is interfaith. Everybody get together. The God you believe in hears your prayers. Imagine that. Imagine the Apostle Paul going in Acts chapter 17. He's there in Athens, and suddenly he says, you know, there's, there's the unknown God. Let me tell you about the unknown God. Whatever you believe in your heart, there you go. No, Paul, Paul didn't do anything like That's absurd. Paul went on to tell him, uh, tell those people in Athens, the Greeks, about the God of the Bible and the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you look at this and you go, wow, even the religious aspect of all of this is shaping up. But it doesn't stop there. There's also... The, um, 
the propaganda and the censorship that takes place. You and I keep hearing about all the different censorship that has been going on. I've been censored. You have, if you follow people and they talk like this or on politics, uh, talk on religion or politics, probably a good chance they've been censored if they come from the conservative uh, point of view or, in my case, the biblical point of view. Here's this article. Cancel culture is only the beginning of big tech's control. Think of canceling, uh, canceling history, canceling your business if you don't go along with the narrative, getting rid of statues, that kind of thing. The whole cancel culture. Cancel culture with increasingly, uh, it, with increasingly more areas of life uh, will enter into, excuse me, more areas of life if unstopped, warned Breitbart News senior tech reporter Alun Bakari, author of Deleted, Big Tech's Battle to Erase uh, the Trump Movement and Steal the Election, offering his comments on Sirius XM's uh, Breitbart uh, News Daily with host Alex Marlowe. Marlowe forecasted the progression of internet censorship to enforce political compliance. He predicted denials of banking. Now listen to this. This is very biblical. He predicts denials of banking, subscription to video services, and employment will occur if the momentum of the leftist political coercion isn't stopped. All of this, I think, is in play in the next five to 10 or maybe to, uh, 20 years if totalitarians win. Bakari replied, we see the left trying to cancel people in real life by burning down their businesses or attacking them in the street. The radical left believes that half the country is fascist and that violence against fascists is okay, so they will absolutely not just censor you, but use violence against you as well. Listen, the Democrat party of your fathers and grandfathers is not what's happening now. It's a whole different world we have out there. There is a left, it is radical, and they've made no bones about it. They're burning down buildings, willing to cancel everything to the point of denials in banking. You already hear about people getting their bank accounts shut off or their Twitter accounts shut off. You hear about these various things, uh, um, uh, and you, you look at it, and you're thinking, you know what, are these, these things really are happening? Yeah, they really are happening. But don't stop here. Emmanuel Macron, uh, Macron uh, the leader over in France, Emmanuel Macron at United Nations General Assembly tells the body, uh, the UN body, that we must prepare for the new world order, uh, prepare for the new world order for globalization. The crisis, the collapse of our cooperation uh, frameworks, the weaknesses, that, have just, that I have just mentioned require us to rebuild a new order, says Macron, and force Europe to take its full share of responsibility. Macron underscored that, this is a quote, in the weeks and months to come, fundamental choices will have to be made. There will surely be a cure for the pandemic one day, but there will be no miracle cure for the destruction of the contemporary order. So how is this going to get there? That's what I'm gonna answer in our next few minutes together. How do we get to the new world order? Um, I'm gonna give you three things here in just a second, but I want you to consider this. The Bible teaches that man is essentially not good. Um, humanism teaches man is really good, except for maybe if you believe in the Bible. The Bible teaches that listen, there's good things that men do, but ultimately, 
There are none who are righteous. There are none who good. This is why we need a Savior to save us, right? We need forgiveness of our sin. In that sense, the Bible teaches we are not good. We are sinners. We are in need of salvation. But humanism teaches something different, teaches that man is good. The problem, here's this, and this is Marxism. The problem is not human beings, except for the ones who believe in the Bible. The problem is not human beings. The problem is society. So ultimately, to get to the new world order, how do we get there? Everything has to be transformed. Society has to be transformed. Culture has to be transformed. So I'm going to give you three things that are in play right now to transform the world, to get it to the new world order and accept a miracle from God, this is going to come about, and it's going to come about uh, very fast. So first one is this, real simple. It's a great transfer of wealth. So what is a transfer of wealth? Well, it's real simple. You can have a transfer of wealth based on inheritance. Um, uh, uh, parents uh, ha transfer their wealth to their children when they pass away. Uh, there's trust agreements, there's wills, uh, and so forth. Probate courts can transfer wealth. So you have a transfer of wealth uh, in that. There's transfer, transfer of wealth with the stock market. Uh, there's, uh, there's the ups and downs. This person wins, this person loses. There's all different kinds of transferring of wealth. You can say there's transfer of wealth from a boss to an employee. Uh, there's all different types of transfer of wealth, but that is not uh, what I want to talk to you about. Here's what I want to talk to you about, and this is very concerning. Think back to the days of Nazi Germany. What happened with the Jews? Everything they had was taken from them, and you might say that was really awful. These things were stolen from them. Uh, the government came in. They stole their art. They stole their clothes. They stole their jewelry. They stole their bank accounts. They kept them for themselves. The government got them. The people in favor with the government got some of the things. Uh, and then they also, don't, not only did they steal all those things, they even stole their physical life as they were hauled off and 16 million, six, uh, 6 million Jews were killed in uh, the Nazi Germany, uh, Germany um, days. The government just took it if you were Jewish or if you were on their list of non-desirables, uh, a.k.a. deplorables. So you look at these things and you're thinking, okay, have these things happened before? Yeah, these things happened in the Roman government. These things happened in the Greek culture. These things have always happened. And whenever you have a leader that's in charge that has that much power and they're not a good person, they're not a good king, you better believe that you can expect bad things are going to happen. Um, uh, a way that... Wealth is being transferred to the government. I, I can see it in California. You keep hearing about uh, real estate. In, in real estate, what's happening in California, there's all kinds of laws that affect landlords and renters. And from talking with landlords, they're saying, look, if I get the wrong renter into my, into my house, uh, I get the wrong renter in there, I can't get it. They, they don't have to pay me for a year. Uh, they, can, they can live there pretty much as long as they want. They can destroy my house. And there's, I have absolutely no recourse. They can not pay me anything. I finally get my house back. The whole house is destroyed. I don't want to be in the landlord business anymore. So they sell their property. Ultimately, if this keeps going this way, what will happen, what will be created 
is a, is a world in California, and I'm sure this is intentional, where the government is going to have to start getting into uh, a, an increase of rental business. They're already in it. You look at Section 8 housing. The government is already in it. But this is only going to increase. As you get rid of private ownership for landlord to renter, what's going to happen? You're going to get it. People still need a place to live. A lot of people can't buy homes, so they are going to rent. And they're also likely going to be receiving their funds uh, from the government. So you look at that, you have this great transfer of, of wealth. But what else do you have with the transfer of wealth? Excuse me a minute, I got to fix my pages here. I got all kinds of pages. I got all kinds, I got all kinds of things to talk to you guys about over the next few minutes that we have together. But do we look at the transfer of wealth? It comes in, in various forms. Here's something else that, that is happening too. You and I are hearing about reparations. And uh, this is uh, reparations. The basic idea is this. Um, uh, the African community has been uh, decimated by uh, the white community in America for centuries. And as such, because of slave ownership and so forth, uh, the white people in America owe the black people living in America today, owe them money. So this is talk. I believe this is coming. And I believe there's, it's purposeful. Um, I look at this, and personally, I think that everything that's going on, these are tools, and I'll show you this in just a minute. There's things that are happening that are tools that are being used to manipulate society in order to bring uh, us to that place of this great reset and the new world order that is coming. So when you look at the great transfer of wealth, there will be taxations. It could be called, called something else. But reparations, I believe they will come. How they will play, I don't know. But with that, I want you to consider this. These are not, because I want you to see, these things are not in my own words. I want you to, to think about this as you consider a great transfer of wealth, the words of the elite and what their plans are. Uh, what you see on the screen right now is a screenshot from the webpage for the, uh, from the World Economic Forum. And you can click around on there, go there to the World Economic Forum. Uh, you can um, find all kinds of information. They'll tell you what, uh, what they're doing. They'll tell you what their plans are. When you read what they say, you think, wow, well, that sounds pretty nice. Everybody's going to get along and everything is going to be equal. Let me read a little bit of this to you. Here's the context. You can get this straight from their website. So I'm not just making this up. In their own words. The COVID-19 crisis and the political, economic, and social disruptions it has caused is fundamentally changing the traditional context for decision-making. The inconsistencies, inadequacies, and contradictions of multiple systems from health and financial to energy and education are more exposed than ever amidst a global context of concern for lives, livelihoods, and the planet. Leaders find themselves at a historic crossroads, managing short-term pressures against medium and long-term uncertainties. Then under a section called the opportunity, they say this, as we enter a unique window of opportunity to shape the recovery, this initiative will offer insights to help inform all those determining the future state of global relations, the direction of national economies, the priorities of societies, the nature of business models, and the management of a global 
commons, right? This is, this is a global system. Everything's going to be the same. That's what they're saying here. Drawing from the vision and vast expertise of the leaders engaged across the forum's communities, the Great Reset, they call it that themselves, folks, the Great Reset. The Great Reset Initiative has a set of dimensions to build a new social contract that honors the dignity of every human being. Now, now you look at this, every human being. Well, we're going to get into that in a second, too. But... The Great Reset uh, with the World Economic Forum, this is what they have intended to bring about in January of 2021. However, in their own words, because of COVID-19, they had to extend that date. I think it's like uh, uh, June or July. It's early summer of 2021. Uh, but nevertheless, they've had these meetings in the past. And this one, they're saying, this is the direction it's going to go. These are the most powerful people in the world, by the way. And then here's this article, COVID-19, again, from the World Economic Forum. Their own words, the COVID-19, the four building blocks of the Great Reset. Again, I encourage you, check it out yourself. They're telling us what they want to do. Now is the time for a Great Reset. Here's a little bit more. I'm almost done with this section. From World Economic Forum, COVID-19 lockdowns may be gradually easing but anxiety about the world's social and economic prospects is only intensifying. There's a good reason to worry. A sharp, sharp economic downturn has already begun, and we could be facing the worst depression since the 1930s. But while this outcome is likely, it is not unavoidable. This is, again, their own words. To achieve a better outcome, the world must act, get this, jointly and swiftly. Together, and we've got to do it now, to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies from education to social contracts and working conditions. Every country from the United States to China must, not should, must participate, and every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism. There are many reasons to pursue a Great Reset, but the most urgent is COVID-19, having already led to hundreds of thousands of deaths. The pandemic represents one of the worst public health crises in recent history, and with casualties still mounting in many parts of the world, it is far from over. Uh, you listen to that, and you hear what they're saying. They're getting everybody to agree, and they're also, what are they doing? They are encouraging fear. This is how you get people to think different, get them afraid, get them fearful. And then they start looking to, can you help me? World Economic Forum comes along and says, yes, we can help you. We have the answers. Think of this. Damon Duck wrote uh, a while back. Winston Churchill said, the purpose of the new world order is to bring the world into a world government. In 1990, George H.W. Bush Senior said, out of these troubled times, out of the Persian Gulf War, our fifth objective, a new world order, can emerge. And we know, also, there's the establishment of the new world order, or the world government in the UN Charter. And then, in 1997, President Bill Clinton said, what I am trying to do to build a global system is to promote a process of reorganization for the world. And then May 14, 2008, Barack Obama, running for president, said, 
Uh, and, and Michelle said, this is a quote, we are going to have to change our conversation. We're going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place as a nation. On July 24, 2008, uh, Obama went on and said he supported a globalized world, quote, and said, the burdens of global citizenship bind us together. And then on June 19, 2020, listen to this, the World Economic Forum announced that it will hold its annual meeting in Davos, Switzerland, January, uh-uh, it got extended to June. Uh, to the theme, again, as I mentioned, is the Great Reset. On that same day, the same day that was announced, former U.S. VP Al Gore went on TV to call for a reset of the global economy to support change. He said this, air pollution caused by burning fossil fuels heightens the death rates of the coronavirus. And then, this is the last thing, and we'll move on to the next point. You're thinking, when are we ever going to move on? This is long. Listen, it is, but it's informative. Listen, this is in their own words. You can look, oh, this is never going to happen. Listen, it's coming. It is going to happen. The Bible told us what it's going to look like, and they are telling us what it's going to look like. And what a coincidence. I don't think so. It's happening exactly as the Bible says, but check this out. On June 25, 2020, the 75th anniversary of the adoption of the UN Charter, UN Secretary General Guterres said the world needs an overarching level of multilateral governance that can sideline problematic national interests, uh, like make America great again, right? Need a global governance to sideline the national interests of America. That's what's being said. That's what's being said here. Guterres said there's a need to reimagine the way nations cooperate. You wonder why there are so many problems going on in America? Listen, America is the epicenter right now because America is a problem. I'm going to get to that at the end because we got to get there. But America is a problem. That's why all the attention is on America right now because I'm telling you, as America goes, go, so goes the rest of the world. Ultimately, Bible prophecy, once America's out of the way, the attention is going to be all on Jerusalem and on, all on Israel. Guterres said there's a need to reimagine the way nations cooperate, and he added, we need a networked multilateralism bringing together the UN system, regional organizations, international finance, financial institutions, and others. Man, there is a lot there. But that's their own words. Listen, I want you to think of this, all right? Before we go, just two more things. But I want you to think of this before we look at the next two things. If a thief tells you, and you know they're a thief, they tell you, listen, I'm going to rob your house. I'm going to rob it Friday night. I'm going to be there at 11 o'clock, and I'm going to bring guns, and I'm going to bring my boys, and we're going to break in your house, and we're going to steal every single thing you got. What would you do? You'd be prepared. You'd be saying, uh-oh, it's going to happen at 11, and this is what they're going to do, and this is going to be the outcome if I am not prepared. Listen, they are telling us exactly what they are going to do. The Bible tells us this is the way it's going to go down. Listen, the Bible warns us, these people tell us, and they put a spin on it as if, yeah, this is just, this is just so good. It is just so wonderful. I'm telling you. They got bad intentions. If the thief is telling you, 
you'd be prepared. Listen, they have telegraphed to us exactly what they're going to do. They put it in writing. Not only do they tell us about the great transfer of wealth and this great reset that is going to happen, <clears throat> how else do we get to the great reset? It's this one. It's Agenda 2030. What is Agenda 2030? Agenda 2030 is a UN charter, and in the UN charter, their intention is to change the world by 2030. Listen, right now we're in 2020. This is to change the world by, uh, by 2030. This is why things are happening the way they are. Listen, understand this also. Um, we're going to get into their own words. If you look at the coronavirus restrictions and you think that they are oppressive and restrictive, what is coming because of Agenda 2030 and the climate laws attached to it are far more restrictive and they are far more oppressive than what we are already experiencing. I believe what we are experiencing is simply a preparation. It's getting us ready for the next set of rules and regulations that are going to come. And they're going to come in the form of climate laws. If you listen to the rhetoric that's out there already, we can hear the rhetoric about the climate laws as it is all developing. So consider this, right? I want you to think of this uh, with me. I'm going to read a little bit from this book that I wrote a few years back uh, regarding um, the America and the New World Order. Actually, it's four, four and a half years ago we published this book, uh, but it amazes me. I based it based upon the Bible and uh, what the Bible says and the direction things were going to go. And I took their own words so we could see what they say and compared it with the Bible. Consider this. <coughs> I had this recently on an update, but I'm going to share with you a little bit more. But let's put it into context. In June of 2015, the Pope issued his encyclical on climate change. It called for global entities to wrest control from local governments. International negotiations, he wrote, cannot make significant progress due to positions taken by countries which place their national interest above the global common good. In other words, you can't have a society or a nation that says something like, make America great again. You're placing your own national interest above the interest of the rest of the world. This was 2015 when the Pope said this. Pope Francis explained there's an urgent need of a true world political authority, one authoritative source of oversight and coordination, which lays down rules for admissible conduct in the light of the common good, global good. So Pope Francis called on the world to enact climate change laws in a godlike manner. In democracies, Changes of government come from the will of the people. He, therefore, is calling for the subjugation of the people's will to that of an elite few who write unalterable laws. Listen, what's the talk you hear in the news? They don't want people to vote. They only want people to vote with this particular way in the way of climate laws, in the way of the new world order. You listen to it. They don't want anything to disrupt that, and America is a problem. We're going to get to America as the last thing. We'll get there in a few minutes. Pope Francis wants to create a world <clears throat> where climate policies cannot be changed as a result of free elections. That means he wants a global government that is responsive only to a few elites. So again, we see the pattern. Make the power global and coalesce that power into the hands of a few. What do Revelation chapter 17 tell us? 
It told us real simple that there's going to be 10 kings or 10 elite rulers, and then they're going to give their power and authority to the beast. Listen, they've told us what they're going to do. If the thief tells you I'm coming at 11 <coughs> Friday night, you better believe them. They're telling us exactly what they're going to do. One of the cleverest means of creating global government is to create trade agreements that establish their own governmental authorities. Enter in, back then, the TPP or Trans-Pacific Partnership. Uh, uh, President Trump has basically put that to sleep, but listen, that's only been to sleep, I believe, temporarily. It's gonna come back in, either with the same name or under a new name, but consider this. The TPP attempted to create a new governmental authority called the Trans-Pacific Partnership Commission, or just the commission. Think of that, just the commission. Now listen to this. The TPP has all sorts of features that have nothing to do with trade. It has provisions on immigration, wealth redistribution, education, human rights, including children's rights, which puts the UN into every home. It has its issue, his, uh, <coughs> It features on gay rights, on same-sex marriage, gun control, health care, women's reproductive rights, abortion, and sustainable uh, development. The TPP Commission has the authority to protect, among other things, fish, seals, trees, and wetlands. That means it controls the water and the land. It has the authority to stop all kinds of land and water pollution. It sounds great until you realize that pollution is often simply a matter of opinion. The commission has the right to tell people where they can and cannot live and where they can and cannot work. Uh, uh, work. Listen, this is their own, their own stuff, their own documents telling you it's going to be like this. This is about ceding national sovereignty to international agencies. It's taking a giant step toward a one world government. Listen, massive change is coming and it is coming at an incredibly fast pace. The UN describes Agenda 2030 in utopian terms. Listen to this. These are the words you're already hearing coming from the climate alarmists and now the COVID alarmists and everything else going on there. We are determined to take the bold and transformative steps which are urgently needed to shift the world onto a sustainable and resilient path. As we embark on this collective journey, we pledge that no one will be left behind. No one will be left behind really means no one will be able to opt out. We are already seeing that with the rules and regulations that are happening right now. Implementing the Agenda 2030 will cost around $75 trillion. That's a lot of money. Where's that money going to come from? Will it be taxed? How are they going to redistribute the wealth to come up with $75 trillion? That's going to be pretty difficult. But, get this, enter Bill Gates. One of the private citizens pushing the agenda has been Microsoft founder Bill Gates in, two, again, 2015, five years ago. So this stuff's been going on for a while. Everything that's happening shouldn't surprise us if we read Bible prophecy and we read their own words. In 2015, Gates said, there's certainly, uh, there's certainly no chance of $75 trillion uh, to be available in the next year by 2016. 
we'd be doing very well to have anywhere near that amount of money available by 2030. But they're going to try, and they have been trying, and it's going, and coming up with the money and transforming the world is going to come with great harm. I believe we are already seeing it. What do they want to do with this previously unheard of large amount of money? They seem to think they're going to create a modern utopia. The Agenda 2030 preamble says we are resolved to free the human race from the tyranny of poverty. That fits perfectly with item number one on the agenda, end poverty in all forms everywhere. However, they know that's impossible. Um, listen, I, listen to this. Item number 10 in Agenda 2030 promises to, get this, reduce inequality within and among countries. What this is, is wealth uh, redistribution, but on an unheard of scale. This isn't about raising up the rest of the world to the level of a place like America. It is taking America and other developed countries and bringing them down to the levels of the rest of the world. You get the wealth redistribution in there, it all fits perfectly, and you get, guess what you get at the top? The few elite rulers who are running the whole thing. Listen, again, it's in their own words. What are some more of their own words? They tell us all about the climate issues that are going on. If you read the news right now, listen, I'm not going to get into those articles. This is what I want you to do. Pay attention to the, the news that you are hearing. The news is going to shift from coronavirus and the attention, it's already shifting from coronavirus, and, it, and it's going to shift more and more towards climate change and climate control. Here in California, uh, Trump has said, listen, the problem... <laughs> with all the fires in California is lousy forest management. The governor of California says, no, it's, it's about climate laws. And it's the climate is the problem. We need to change the laws. And, you, and so this is the rhetoric. Joe Biden says, vote for me. Uh, Trump is a, is a climate arsonist. That was his word. You are a climate arsonist. This is the rhetoric that's going to continue to increase. Why? Agenda 2030 is the agenda in their own words, is to transform the world by 2030. Okay, that's a lot. Let's get on to the last thing. What needs to happen last? There needs to be, for the, this new world order to come about, uh, 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 the Great Reset, there needs to be a great transfer of wealth. Uh, uh, agenda 2030, uh, they have the agenda. It's already been set. It's going there. But here's the big deal. The, the big problem is this. The elephant in the room, America, America's a problem. The American threat to globalism must be eliminated. America's a problem for the global agenda. America is a problem for the coming kingdom uh, that the Bible describes as this global kingdom or kingdom of antichrist. Um, let's just think of a, 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 a few different things. Here, here's an article when you think of uh, why these things are happening. Senator Ed Markey calls to ban all police from using weapons of war, uh, and, uh, including tear gas. So what's going on with that? We're hearing about defunding the police. We're watching cities that have been destroyed. Uh, billions of dollars in damage has been done. <coughs> Everywhere the police are being defunded. There's more and more problems where the police are being defunded. What in the world is really going on? 
I, I talk to police all the time. They're very discouraged. They want to retire. We're hearing about them retiring in record numbers. I believe it's all part of the agenda. Get rid of the current police that are out there and develop an entire new system that goes along with this agenda to arrive at the goal by 2030. Listen, most of the police that you talk to, they're good, they're good guys, they're good men, good women who are out there doing the best that they can to keep law and order within society. And then you see what's happening, and then you have senators calling for these types of things. Get this article. Oregon governor declares emergency ahead of Proud Boys demonstration. What's, who are the Proud Boys? I don't know. I've heard they're a, a, a right-wing group, all right? Uh, 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 what she says is um, a, an emergency ahead of Proud Boys demonstration. Apparently, that happened uh, recently. This, where they were going to show up in Oregon. I don't know what all the outcome was it, but I find this laughable. Um, this is what she said. Let me quote. You ready? Let me be perfectly clear. We will not tolerate any kind of violence this weekend. Left, right, or center, violence is never a path toward meaningful change. Peaceful protest is the only path toward change. Those stoking the flames of violence, those coming to Portland looking for a fight, will be held accountable. Okay, uh, Portland, it's been over 100 days, well over 100 days now. Violent, lives have been, people have been murdered, buildings have been destroyed, things have been set on fire, lives have been absolutely ruined, and she says, we will not put up with any of this. You've got to keep these people from the right coming over and getting involved and causing all kinds of violent issues. What on earth is going on? The rhetoric is, is absurd when you look at this. There's an agenda. And part of this agenda is removing America. Remember Agenda 2030? Remember what the Pope had said? Here's a problem. You can't have any country that's acting in its own national good. America must be fundamentally changed. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is backing a plan for complete socialist takeover, surprise, surprise, of New York City, including taxing the rich and removing the police. That's definitely not a surprise. So I look at these things and I think, man, where's all of this going to go? Uh, Terry James writes in his article, America's Diminishing Role, one of the prime points of Bible prophecy is that America isn't mentioned in it by name. At best, a cursory reference. At best. This is made even more intriguing when we consider all that we believe is going on in setting the stage for the soon fulfillment of Bible prophecy. We believe most, if not all, of Paul's perilous time, 2 Timothy chapter 3, forewarning is now taking place everywhere we look in our nation. People are lovers of themselves without natural affection. Uh, these writes about abortion and homosexuality. They are fierce, think BLM and Antifa, he writes, and they are traitors in reference to the deep state and others subverting the Constitution, etc., etc., etc. All these things are, as I like to term them, America-centric. The perilous times of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Romans chapter 1. These various prophecies, you look at America and go, this is America-centric in their composition. America seems to be at the center of all the earlier mentioned stage setting. But with that, with the prophecies, but America in the big picture, when you enter into the tribulation... It's gone. America as we know it is gone. And we hear the rhetoric. Listen, 
These people, these leaders, are telling us this is what we want to do. Uh, we want to do this great financial reset. We want to um, do a great reset overall. Uh, Agenda 2030, we are going to implement it. Here's how we are going to implement it. These climate laws are going to change everything. And guess what? America, as you know it, is going to be gone. Hence, we want a socialistic society. We want to defund the police. What's going to happen? I was asked that by a friend of mine. He says, look into your crystal ball. Tell me, what do you see is going to happen? I said, well, I don't know about crystal ball, but I do have a Bible. I say, here, it's kind of challenging right now. There's a couple of different possibilities. I'll give you a few different possibilities. God could stop everything. And we could enter into a time that is just absolutely peaceful and amazing for a few more years. God could do that. Um, when we think of the time of the end. Uh, Jesus himself said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. People are eating and drinking and getting married and buying and selling and building. So the days of Noah, just before the flood, describes days that are really good. That's not now. And it certainly isn't during the tribulation. So is Jesus saying, hey, just before the rapture takes place, all of a sudden things are going to be going good and people are going to let their guard down? I don't know, because I also know this. The Bible prophesies that things are going to continue to get worse. Once the chain of events begins, it's only going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. I do believe this, whichever it is, there's not a lot of time left, and we need to be right with the Lord. Here's a, so what's going to happen with America? A couple of different possibilities, all the things we've already looked at, but then there's the possibility of civil war. That's what my friend said. He goes, I see civil war coming. And a lot of people I know say that is what they see coming. The election is coming up. It's coming up super soon. And you wonder, huh, are we going to end up in a civil war? It seems that there are certain uh, people that are out there that want a civil war to come because they want to see the end of America. Here's what I'm hoping for. I, I, I hope that it's the rapture, and that is why we don't see America in the last days. And I look at everything that's going on, and like the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, I think to myself, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Man, I hope it's the rapture. Listen, there could be a war between China and the United States. Somehow America won't be there, but please, Lord, please come quickly, bring us home. In all of this, how does this part end? Last thing, how does this part end? And this is real quick. Let's hope I can get my remote here to work. It is not working. This is what I've got to do. You ready for this one? Oh, there, it just worked. How does this part end? This is what happens when you're doing something live. So how does, how does this part end? I am glad you asked. Because ultimately, there's a new world order coming, the kingdom of Antichrist, but there's a, <coughs> after that, there's a grand new world order coming, and that is when the Lord returns. This is what Revelation chapter 19 tells us. This is how this whole thing ends. It ends gloriously. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. John writes, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like the flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had 
had a name written on it that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with the rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when he returns, he's going to return to the Jezreel Valley, a.k.a. Armageddon, and he is going to cast uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever, and all those who would not worship the Lord. Listen, the last day's empire is destroyed when Jesus returns. As John Phillips puts it, the beast struts across the stage of human history as the great king, thinking he is the king of kings. But against him comes the lamb, the true and one and only king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the son of man. He's the son of God. He's the, he's the light of the world. He's the light of life. He is the rider on the white horse who leads his army. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Man could not handle him. Death could not hold him. The grave could not cover him. The cross could not, king, could not keep him. There is no name under heaven by which a man can be saved. No other name under heaven by which a man can be saved than that of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. Friends, that is a glorious end. It is going to be awesome. Jesus rules and reigns from Jerusalem. So when you look at the events that are happening, you don't look at the events. You look to what the events point to. The events point to Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God bless you all. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.